With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome into this latest edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Uh, and or email us at gloryujapodcast at gmail.com. If you listen to the show regularly, you already know that. But if not, that's where you can find us. Uh, we definitely do love hearing your thoughts on the show and the topics we discuss on here. So feel free, seriously, anytime to contact us and let us know what you guys think. Uh, I do also want to quickly remind you that you can find the show on a variety of podcasting platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. And, of course, you can always find us on Dogs Wars Radio, uh, where I know a lot of you are probably listening from right now. Uh, but as for the show today, uh, after a couple of weeks of good, hard, nuts-and-bolts football talk with spring practice and G-Day, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn of sorts, and at least for this one show, take a look kind of at the, at the bigger picture surrounding our athletic program as we, uh, since we're getting close, guys, we're kind of winding down the 2016-2017 athletic year. The calendar is about be done for the year uh and let's be real guys i mean it's been yet another fairly underwhelming calendar year for us right kurt uh yeah yeah i mean that's putting it lightly it's a pretty underwhelming calendar year for the university of georgia athletic program kind of been par for the course of late so people i mean look justifiably so are not happy right now with the state of our athletic program um look guys there's there's long been those disgruntled malcontents that are kind of on the fringes um that have kind of always been after uh, A.D. Greg McGarity for years. But gradually, what what was maybe at one time a, a fringe element has, over the past couple of years, developed into a pretty serious chorus of discontent at, at what, at, it was, and this was tr- a term that was used in the AJC article a couple weeks ago, um, what has been termed a state of malaise that our current overall athletic program finds itself in, which I think is a, a very apt description of where we are right now as an overall athletic program and really I mean based on my personal interactions with people across the athletic spectrum which Georgia football fans or people who support every program baseball tennis basketball I mean I'm I live in Athens so I get a chance to go to all these events and just seeing people at different events interacting with them uh, talking to you guys interacting with you uh all of our listeners on social media just talking to buddies uh, reading message boards, reading articles, I mean, just getting information from a variety of sources, I think it's pretty safe to say now that there is there is a substantial element within our fan base that feel that our athletic director, Greg McGarity, J. Reed Parker, director of athletics, Greg McGarity, to be official, has been, I mean, I, I think derelict in his duty of building a well-balanced and consistently successful athletic department. And, and really, the, the lackluster results on the field, I mean, that's what's driving this conversation. To, I mean, it's gotten to the point that even the mainstream Atlanta media has recently gotten on the train with a number of articles, um, the AJC in particular, examining the state of this overall UGA athletic program and where the blame should lie for these shortcomings. So that's what we want to get into today. This has been a pretty hot-button topic over the past couple of weeks. As I said, the AJC has gotten involved in on this and uh, have been writing a couple of articles questioning people um, 
and to the point that you you know our administration's hearing is Jerry Moore, the president of the university, had to come out and declare his support for Greg McGarity last week. So you know that they're feeling the heat. So this is something that it's been building for a while, and if you look at where we are as an athletic program, you kind of understand why. So, Curtis, I want to bring you back in. I want to bring you back into this real quick. Uh, not real quick. I'm going to have you for the rest of the show. But uh, I want to start a discussion with this. When McGarity was hired back in 2010, um, after the disaster that uh, Damon Evans left us with, with his scandal, the red panties and, and whatnot, don't want to relive that, but McGarity was seen as a, a, kind of a, a, a home run hire. Most people were thrilled with Greg McGarity. I mean, he's a Georgia guy. I think I'm pretty sure he's an Athens neighbor. Spent a lot of time as a kid in Athens. Went to UGA. Played tennis. UGA was a coach. I think a women's tennis coach for a couple years at UGA. Then goes to Florida. Does the unthinkable. I, don't, I still don't understand any self-respecting Georgia person could do that, but he did. And was second, second in command to Jeremy Foley, who's seen as one of the the great athletic directors of the past 20, 25 years. And so we thought, you know, he gets a chance to see a, a winning program up, up close and personal. He's going to bring what he learned there. Back to Athens, you got one of our own back. And to be honest with you, I was on board with the hire. I thought it was a good hire at the time. I'll be real with you, I did. Uh, but I want to start with this. When he was hired, when he was first hired, I think at his introductory press conference, I think this was, Greg McGarity had this to say in terms of how expectations, uh, how he was going to look at the expectations, and how he will evaluate coaches and programs in the athletic department. That's what he had to say, quote, we will have very high expectations, and every sport will be expected to be competitive. And then he went on to later clarify competitive as being in the hunt for championships. So, Curtis, I want to start with this question. Those are Greg McGarity's words. Has he lived up to those words in your mind? Um, you know, start off right away saying no. I mean, the biggest thing is, other than football, I don't know if he has actually held any program truly accountable. Um, you know, the big thing with football, you know, for the, for the longest time, he was the driving force and wanted to get rid of Mark Rick, you know, felt he had kind of, you know, out outstayed his welcome, more or less, you know, done all that he was he accomplished, all that he was There was definitely some friction there, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, you know, that was the one person that he wanted to make the biggest change at. And my but wasn't that change is, necessary? Don't we all agree right now that that change is probably necessary? Well, no, 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 that's what I'm getting at. So he was right there? My thing is, why was that the only program that he's ever felt that way about? Because that's the money maker. Change in baseball, a terrible hire. Um, I mean, across the board, the standard has not been set for all other sports as it has for football. I get football's your bread and butter, but the thing is, I mean – you know, we're not. He's not. He doesn't have the same expectations for all sports. Um, you know, he kind of accepts mediocrity. Well, should should he sports. have the same expectations for all sports that he has for that we should have for football? I mean, uh, not. Uh, I think there should be a standard. I mean, compared to he waited till this year to get rid of the volleyball coach who uh, lost. He didn't even have a single win the year before in the SEC. It was an absolute disaster. Um, which is one of his hires. Exactly, one of his hires. Um, you know, Mark Fox was not one of his hires, but he has, you know, accepted Mark Fox for what he is. And, you know, the program is, you know... Which is pretty good. I mean, he's yeah. gotten some nice... He's gotten these 20 wins, but at the same time, we haven't gotten the results we want. I mean, yeah, you get these wins in the regular season, but still no no win in the, right. uh, in right. the tournament. Yeah, we've been pretty good. He's accepting that in basketball. Um, baseball, I mean, we've just gotten worse and worse since he stepped stepped into this uh, his role. I mean, he, you know, Perno's out. Okay, you know, he has a chance to hire his own guy. Um, 
there has been zero zero growth since then. Yeah, that's I mean that's one hundred percent right, and that's putting it. I mean, in, as in nice a lot of these sports that are st- the, a lot of these sports that are consistently good tennis. He had no he has no role in that. I mean, we're lucky to have two, two great coaches, especially Manny Diaz, who's been there for I thirty mean, years essentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, golf has been there for a long time. Uh, swimming Jack, yeah. been there a long time. Legends uh, in their professions. Yeah, exactly. You know, he. he as long as he stays out of their way, they're not going to be. They're they're not going to get any worse. But it's the other ones where we're seeing. I just don't see that same, you know, desire to hold everyone accountable. Yeah, I think you have to ask yourself, in what sport have we improved since Greg McGarity has gotten on the scene? I mean, seriously, you have to ask yourself that. And I and I think that's it's kind of like a ooh, I don't know kind of answer to that. I mean, maybe you could say basketball's gotten better, but again, he didn't make that higher. He stuck with him. But basketball is kind of, it's it's plateaued to a degree. Yeah, we've gotten better, but really, how good are we? Frank Martin in year two take right. South Carolina to the Final Four. I mean, let alone get a couple tournament victories. Absolutely. I mean, and let's look at where all these programs stand. You went through a good rundown there of most of these, but let's look at this in totality. Uh, the Director's Cup, which is something NCAA has used for years now, uh, it kind of just totals where you are uh, as an overall athletic program, where all of your athletic programs finish in your athletic department. Uh, and right now, we are 22nd in the Directors' Cup overall, which is not terrible, but that's but that's kind of the moral of the story here. We're pretty good, but not great. Not terrible, not great. Kind of yeah, solid. And uh, right now, we're fifth in the SEC. Get this. We're fifth in the SEC. Uh, we're behind Florida. Florida's always up there. But we're behind the likes right now of Kentucky. Missouri, and even freaking South Carolina. Those teams are ahead of us in the Directors' Cup. Um, we In this decade since McGarity got on the job, since 2010, we finished on average about 16th in the Directors' Cup, which again, pretty good, pretty solid, not terrible, okay, mediocre. But if you go back to the 2000s before McGarity got here, we averaged a top 10 finish every single year. In some years, we finished inside the top five. We've had 36 NCAA titles, overall titles, in the years 1987 through 2009. Since McGarity's gotten the scene, you know how many we've gotten? Five. Four. I think four. Yeah, we've gotten three. Yeah, four. You're right, four. We've gotten three women swimming and diving and an equestrian national title. Okay? And I know that's less time, obviously, but still, we're going on a decade here. So the overall athletic program, if you look at the Director's Cup, has taken a hit. And if you, that's, that's, these programs, I mean, football, football, we've been good, right? We've been good. But have we been elite? Have we been where we should be? Wow. No, we had to, we just had to fire our coach a couple years back. Basketball, you mentioned basketball. We, like, we've risen to a level of respectability where we're, we are competitive with most teams, which is more than you can say for maybe the Felton era for the most part, uh, in the Jersa era. Uh, of course, you got to kind of throw out the hair care because there was some scandal there. Uh, but still, we're clearly not at the level where we can consistently, com- realistically compete for championships. We're a winning program. You know, we had the four straight twenty. You know, they they really pumped this up. Four straight twenty win seasons, which I don't know how much that means in this area where you play more games. But we're still not a big time program. And you mentioned it, other teams around us, like South Carolina. They're raising their game to the level, uh, to that to that to that elite level, and are, or they're on the path of doing so. They're at least recruiting well. We're not even really doing that. Then you got baseball, as you mentioned. You know. I know Perno. Look, do you would you agree that Dave Perno deserved to be fired when he got fired? Um, you know he had a couple bad years, and I think the big thing was he never truly got a chance to write the ship again. Um, you 
I mean, he just a couple years before that, he had been in the College World Series, you know, one game away from winning the College, the college World a, Series. Yeah, he had, we should have won it in 08. Exactly. He had a couple bad recruiting classes where he missed on these guys to turn pro. Right. Um, and that was, that, was, that was really what killed him those last couple of years. But the thing was, I mean, right now, our baseball program is pretty much a dumpster fire. It's a disaster. I, I don't even know I how mean, to say anything. I, mean, I, I don't know I mean, what I, I can say positive say it, about but it. But it's, it's one of these things where – you know, you, you look at the score, or you know, you check on Twitter or something. You look at the score, and we lose, and you're just like, like "Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's, that sounds about right." Okay, like no shock. I yeah, mean, like, surprise, like, surprise. Like, it's, it's like I'm numb to it now. You know, I think you're right. Like when you when you see the score, you're like, "Oh, like on Friday night when you see us blow the game like we did against Florida." We always seem to this year at least invent ways to lose games. But now I'm like, "Oh, okay." Well, yeah, you know, Friday whatever. we don't even bring in our closer. Yeah, it doesn't and, even yeah, register with me. Yeah, we blow it in the ninth. Don't bring in our closer, and it's just, and, the, and that's the thing is so pathetic that we've come to accept that. Yeah, and with Perno, look, I mean, I think it's there, it's debatable whether he deserves to be fired. His last year was terrible. You know, twenty one and thirty two in two thousand thirteen. Uh, two of his last four years were losing seasons. Back in two thousand ten, we were sixteen and thirty seven, five and twenty three overall. Terrible. Bounce back the next year with about a five hundred record. Uh, two thousand twelve, go thirty one and twenty six. Um, in two thousand thirteen, twenty one and thirty two, and you know, considering where we were coming from, that's you know that 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 was a major drop, and he was so he was almost like a victim of his own success, you know, kind of like what Rick was to a degree. You know, yeah, have early success, the and then you don't meet those right expectations. Now, we're what five and nineteen. Yep. Right conference. now we are. Uh, yeah, we're five and yeah five wins and in conference. And, you know, we even try to pad the schedule. We play Ryder. We lose two out of three to Ryder. I mean, we uh, lost every single game. To, I think we got beat two out of three by Mercer. You know, we were losing some of these games that we shouldn't have to the smaller schools. Too. Yeah, well, the in-state schools have been – I mean, we, we, I will say we won the season series against Tech. That's what's great. But not just this year, but going back for really since Strickland's been here, the in-state schools – I'm not talking about just Tech. I'm talking about Kennesaw, Kennesaw State. State. I'm talking Georgia about State. Mercer. I'm talking about Georgia State. I'm talking about Georgia Southern. That had been seriously hurting us, and that that's embarrassing, guys. I know baseball is a different like sport. That, that's just embarrassing. Like that year Kennesaw State went to the super to the super regionals. Yeah, and and that's and that should never happen. It it should never happen. We've had a losing season that we for four straight years. We're gonna have a four straight losing seasons under Strickland. Hasn't made any improvement there. He's ninety six and one fifteen overall in his four years here. You go back to Perno between oh four and oh eight. We had three College World Series appearances uh, in a 2008 runner-up where we should have beaten Fresno State. We didn't, but, you know, whatever. Um, we had the 1990 National Championship. So, look, we're not an elite baseball program, but we've been a, we were a really good baseball program for a while. There. I mean, we're in, the, we're in the bottom cellar now of the SEC. Well, we're, we're 13th. Right, right now, we're on track. It looks like, you know, with Tennessee having a game rained out last week, so they only played two. We had a tiebreaker on them. That's, the, that's one series we did win this year. Uh, one on the road, by the way. But now we are 13th. In the SEC, the top twelve teams are the ones that go to the SEC tournament. Right now, for this, I think for the second, it'll be the second time in four years that we haven't made the SEC tournament. But you have to you have to finish in the top twelve out of fourteen. It's a disaster. It is an absolute disaster right now, and I don't know if it's going to get any better. We, we recruited, you know, you hear about we've recruited pretty well the past couple of years, but you you watch the team, and I watch this team a lot, guys. Like I said, I live in Athens. Go to these games, Kerr. I know you've been to a bunch of the games. Outside of Michael Curry. What young talent? And I would say Zach Christofak, the pitcher, the guy's coming in. He's been a, he's really come on of late. Short little dude, but been a really solid pitcher for us. What young talent are you super excited about? This that you think is going to really lead us to some serious success in the future? 
Um, you know, there's a couple guys that I'm at least interested, but the thing is, I haven't seen them get better. They were better at the beginning of the year. Than right. They are now. I mean, there's we have some solid. We do have some solid young guys, like, but uh, the level know, of Florida, the level the of short, Arkansas, the, even? the third baseman or two that you know I think could be good. Could be solid. The thing is, they haven't gotten better though. Yeah, I just. And maybe and I know that's where we're hanging our hat on right now. These guys are young, you know. We don't have a very veteran club, and that's true. But my faith is that I've, I've said before. I don't know if we have a coach who can improve it. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. So that's and, baseball. You know, and this is the thing, you know. Right now, we're just talking about the hires and the programs themselves. But there's a lot of other pieces from you know support in the background that McGarity has not given. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna get to that, and just that's a big thing that we're gonna get to in just a second. Here. I definitely, I thank you for uh, for bringing that up because so that is a big part of this equation. But let's move, let's move on to another sport, gymnastics. You know, we okay, Alabama is Alabama in football, right, guys? And I know you guys out there know that we are Alabama. We were Alabama in gymnastics, and right, right now, I guess we're kind of like you know, pitch, like be at, like you know when Alabama's kind of in between coaches, like in the wilderness, there trying to find their way back. That's kind of where we are right now, and we have ten. National titles. We won five in a row between 05 and 09. Five in a row. While you're on that thing, here's another thing I think is interesting about, and you know, you saw it with gymnastics. He waits too long to pull the trigger, too. He gave the gymnastics coach another year yeah. to fire. Dana, Dana um, Durante, yes, he got another extension last basketball. year. I don't, he should have, you know, there's a lot of rumbling of getting rid of Mark Fox this year. He probably should have gone ahead and the trigger because we're not going to be any better next year football he did it with mark rick you know he did you know there was that underhand there was that you know rumor that he gave mark rick the two years to win it or or you're gone right well especially that last year before we got rid of him we gained nothing we actually got behind in recruiting um you know that's a, it's across the board also he's waiting too long to pull the trigger you, and setting a, a just not a one you know not just behind that year but behind in the future because of recruiting and things yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you're right. It's it's been pretty much across the board. And I'm I'm trying to bring this up here. My computer's going slow. Um, I'm gonna read you something here if I can find it. I don't know. We'll come back to this in a second here. Um, but Greg, a guy who's who's been slow to re- he he's reactive, right? He's never proactive. Yeah, and, that's one thing you and I always talk about. Is he always waits. Till, you know, he, he's forced to make a decision. Yeah. And I, here's, here's what I was looking for. Okay. So this is Greg McGarry talking about Mark Fox, right? So you said he should have cut babe, he, or he should have cut Mark Fox a year ago, right? Coming into yeah. this season. So here's Greg McGarity on Mark Fox. Uh, McGarity said in March, nobody was happy not being in the show, but he, he still believes the program's on the rise. I'm reading the article here. McGarity says he saw continuous improvement in the season including from top scorers J.J. Fraser and Yante Maton. Here's a quote from McGarity. I quote, I think everybody felt a different vibe this year than years past. I think that's a credit to Mark and his assistant coaches for really identifying players who can play at this level. Uh, here's another quote, uh, talking about trying to get back into the NCAA tournament. Quote, that's everybody's goal. We'd like to be in the show and then move forward in the show. If you asked every player, I'd be stunned if they didn't say expectations are going to be higher next year. Now, because the foundation is in place, we can start swinging for that next level. I think the program is in position so now that we can be ready to try and take that next step. So that's that's Greg McGarity there. Now, would it surprise you if I said that this was in March? It was in March, but this was March 2016. Coming, That was after two seasons ago. 
two seasons ago, he was saying those things. We should be ready to take the next step. We should be ready to start swinging for the fences and, and move forward as a program. Did that happen this year? No, I mean, it I'll didn't. Say this. And then he said the exact saw, same we, thing we after saw, this season. No, we saw players honestly quitting out there. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, you, the year, you, and I sat, you and I sat pretty close for that Florida game at home. Those players, had, Bart Fox had lost the players. At what? In that game, in that game, I think that's true. I think they typically play pretty hard for Fox, but in that game, well, yeah, you could see. At, after that game, they started picking it up because there, that, there was a lot of pressure that Fox was going to get fired after that right. point. Then yeah. they finally turned it on. But leading up to that, they had just been sputtering. Even J.J. had been sputtering. Yeah, but this, this is crazy to me. This is March 2016 where Greg McGarry says, I remain, he says he remains confident that we can have greater success under Mark Fox, quote, Otherwise, there would be a different storyline. That was co- that was bef- coming into this year, and then we had the same, re- basically the same results this year. And he's now in this March said basically the exact same things that he said last March. I, I, I mean, basically, he's not. Is he going to make a move? I, I, that's what I'm getting at here. He's saying the same things year after year after year. You know, we better see improvement. We better get better. Otherwise, there's going to be a different storyline. Ooh, tough talk. Well, then you get the same results and. No movement, no action, nothing. It's just all bluster, man. It's all talk. He has, now. I guess you can say, well, he fired. He fired the gymnastics coach. Yeah, he did because we finished dead freaking last in the NCAA's this year, dead last, and we were eleven and nine in the regular seasons, or in the regular season this year. That's that's ridiculous. Women's basketball, we were sixteen and fifteen overall this year. Uh, that's the second year for his hire. Uh, now Joni, she's. I think she's gonna be she's gonna be a really good coach. She had a good, solid first year, made the NCAA tournament, lost in the first round. Uh, has a really good recruiting class coming in, but this year was a step back, and we and that was gonna be we lost a few players, so there's some context there. Uh, swimming and diving, we got you know three national titles, so over the past decade or so, so that's that's been really positive. Uh, tennis is always awesome, as you mentioned. It's it's really hard to screw up Georgia tennis. Like Georgia tennis, we actually there's another program where we're kind of the, the Alabama of tennis. Where we set the standard. Yeah, he's he's got to stay. He just stays out of the way. Exactly. Um, and you you mentioned volleyball. Lizzie Stinky was his hire. A complete disaster. We've been a train wreck. Now he fired her finally. Uh, so that's two two of his hires that he's already had to fire. Uh, and brings in a guy Tom Black. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll go well. I, I'm hopeful. Uh, I will say though, give him credit for track and field. He hired Petros, and I always have trouble pronouncing his last name. Petros Kipranu. I'm gonna go with. Uh, in in the recent national indoors, we had our best finish ever, both the men and the women. The women finished second overall. The national indoors, the guys finished fourth. Uh, Kendall Will- Kendall Williams uh, on the ladies team was the first one ever to win four national indoor titles. So we're making some progress there. That looks like that was a really good hire. Right? So I want to be fair yeah, one, here. One out of how many though? Uh, let's see how many has he hired. So he hired Strickland. He hired track and field Petros. He hired volleyball, and he hired. Durante for gymnastics, so four, one out of four, twenty five percent. You you cool with that? Not really. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, but let's let's go back to baseball real quick. Like when he hired Strickland, how were you? How did you feel about that hire? You know, I that's the thing. I wasn't. I you know, I didn't. I wasn't sold on it really. He really? Had won at, he had won at Kent State, but did yes. big things at Kent State, or at least took him deep into the tournament. Yeah, but you know, I. I just think sometimes you have to have a, a proven record at other places. And, and now in hindsight, we can go back and, and kudos for you for thinking that at the time. But in hindsight, we can all look at that and say that now. But most, I mean, but you remember most people were on board with it. He was the hot name. 
Like a lot of teams well, are after him. The biggest him. thing is when you come from those small schools, it's not the hardest thing to get into that place. All you have to do is get hot at the right time compared yeah. to a proven track record consistently. A proven track record at a higher level, I, I think, yeah. is what we and, – and maybe we shot for those fences and we couldn't get that kind of guy, although – uh, and look, I, I, I can't say this with with any great confidence, but I have it on pretty good authority from some people that are close to the baseball program that we had a shot to get uh, – or at least the, the Virginia coach was interested in us or in in our job, and we chose to go with Strickland. Again, I can't confirm that, but there's some people that I know that are much more knowledgeable, much closer, much more connected than I am that have indicated to me that that's the case. So, I mean, look – but. But most people thought Strickland was a home run hire, and I, I did too. I thought, hey, let's let's do. He was the hot name. That's what everybody wanted. We got him. But as an athletic director, sometimes you've got to you've got to you, you're the one that's truly evaluating these guys, and you're the one that sits down with them and interviews them, and you got to make better decisions. One out of four right now at this point has been successful, and maybe Strickland can turn around. I hope he can turn it around. I just don't know if he's going to get that chance. We'll see. Do you think Strickland stays around? No. That's. I mean, I think logic would probably tell you that, but uh, I, mean, I don't know. I've been hearing that, some things that, that he might be coming back, and it might be he just needs to restructure his staff, which I think is crazy. When It never works well, out. And if that happens, that's another case of – It never works out when you do that. When you tell a coach you have to restructure your staff, fire everybody, and bring new coaches in, it never works out because you can't yeah, get say, good it, assistant it, coaches because they know it's like dead man walking. You can't get them in here because they like, well, I might be out of here next year if things don't turn around in happened, one year. That happened with Rick at the end Absolutely. of his – why did we have to get? Why did Kirby Smart not come over as our as our defensive coordinator once once we uh, were moving on from Willie Martinez? Why did we have to settle for Todd Grantham? Because Nick Saban told Kirby Smart there's a good chance that Rick won't be there that long, and you can have the head job. And lo and behold, prophetic man, that's exactly how it played out. That's why we had to settle for Todd Grantham because no defensive coordinator worth his salt was going to come into that situation where Rick was on the hot seat at that time. While Pruitt was good, there was a lot of fire from what happened. Well, we, we were able to get Pruitt because he had to get the hell out of Florida State. He left that yeah. on a truck. He said a trail of fire. I mean, he, they wanted he had to get out of there. Uh, and and, and when you get under Saban, Saban, you know, he's a little dictator over there, little little Napoleon. So he he doesn't care if you got your baggage. He thinks he can keep you under control, which he typically does, unless it's Lane Kiffin, and then then you leave. If if Pruitt gets out of line there, he'll he'll be shown the door. Uh, but. Yeah, that's, that's kind of. I mean, we have other programs. So Equestrian's been solid. That's not necessarily officially sanctioned by the NCAA. Uh, but really, I mean, tennis and ten, or tennis and swimming and diving, and I guess track and field this year have been kind of driving the program. Basketball has been pretty good. Football has been solid, but not what we should be. Um, which you know, that, we all know that. But I, I want to ask you this question. We're talking a lot about Greg McGarry here. But how much responsibility does Greg McGarity truly bear for the state of our overall athletic program? Obviously, he bears some responsibility as our director of athletics. But is it just him, or is there a bigger picture here? You know, I was about this earlier. While, you know, Adams wasn't a huge sports person, and they say that, you know, um, Moorhead Moore is, the one consistent factor, though, is McGarity. He's still there, and once again, he's always you know, reactionary instead of being, you know, oh, thinking ahead because you see it with all the upgrades to our sports programs. We're waiting until all these other programs are passing this. Yeah, we built, we built a palatial indoor practice facility, but we waited to be the last program in the SEC to do it. Now we can say, oh, well, it's the best one. Who cares if we were last? But we were last, guys. For We had that perception and, and for a long the reason, time. The reason 
reason why it doesn't make sense because his whole thing was, you know, we couldn't afford it. Well, they didn't even have to use a single penny for the indoor facility. Yep. Absolutely. That brings me back to another facilities thing. Um, you guys know if you listen to the show, I'm a big Georgia tennis fan. I say that I, I'm, I make no bones about that. Uh, and I know a lot of you probably aren't. But there was a great article by Chip Towers. Whatever you think about Chip Towers, there's a great article in the AJC uh, about the NCAA championships, the tennis championships, that are in Athens this year. And typically they, they used to be here every single year. Then they we started winning a bunch of them. So they said, NCAA said, oh, we probably should move out of Athens every now and then. But then it was like basically every other year was in Athens. Past couple uh, rotations has been like every third year or so. Uh, so they're back here this year. But the NCAA just released their next four-year rotation. Athens wasn't on there. And you want to know why it wasn't on there? And it... And I'm telling you right now, guys, it's a facilities thing. Our indoor practice facility, our, our indoor facility for tennis, our indoor course, are they're they're just they've been passed by. At, when they were in first built, they were nice. We have four indoor courts. You have to have six. You have six matches going on, six singles matches going on in college tennis at one time. So if it's raining, you can only have four going on at once, and then the other two have to wait until two matches finish. So you're looking at marathon matches. Most modern tennis programs that are, have built up their their facilities, they have six indoor courts. So that is, I'm telling you, that's why we're not getting it. I'm telling you, our our, our tennis facilities are nice. The locker rooms we have for our players are really, really nice. I mean, top of the line. But our facility at large has been passed by by other programs, like Oklahoma State, who's built a new uh, tennis facility recently. And oh, and lo and behold, they just built a new tennis facility. They're getting the NCAA ch- uh, championships in the next four years. Illinois built a new tennis facility. They're getting the championships uh, in the next four years. UCF just put a brand new, spanking, beautiful place down there in Orlando. To the, to the point that the Oklahoma head coach, and Oklahoma is very good in tennis. John Rye, Andy Rye's little brother, maybe older brother, his brother, regardless. He left Oklahoma in that situation and went to UCF. That's how good the facilities are. And two of the next four years, the tournament's going to be in UCF or in Orlando at UCF. So, guys, that's why. And the thing is, we this has long been a problem. Those... That tennis court has been needed to be fixed for a long time, the facility has. And it was earmarked to be fixed when Gary took over. But in 2010, when he got the job, he put it on the back burner because there were more pressing things. And, and that's probably true. I get it. Tennis is not a revenue-producing sport. I understand. I'm a, I'm a football guy through and through, guys. Trust me. And I understand football needs to be number one, and it needs to be the priority, and it should be. It absolutely should be. But my question is, if he talks about it's about money, and it's moving down the list of things. As you mentioned there, how much money did our athletic department have to pay for the indoor practice facility? Zero. 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 But we could but we couldn't spend money on a tennis facility? We couldn't do that? We can't have more than my, one one of my I don't understand. We can't have more than one project going on at one time. Really? And the way we spend the money is idiotic. I mean, we put all those money in, into uh and Stegman and Foley, and you go to it and you think, yep. where did that money where go? Where did it go? And we're finally, we're supposed to finally get a center hanging scoreboard in Stegman Coliseum this year. You know how much money that's going to cost? A million dollars. A million dollars. We couldn't have done that 10 years ago? We couldn't have done that five years ago? When we put the glass around Stegman? It's a million dollars. All these other programs have passed us by. Ole Miss, all freaking Miss has, has built a brand new basketball facility. Every SEC team in the SEC, or every team in the SEC has passed us in baseball. I mean, most of these programs have stadiums nicer than minor yep. league baseball stadiums. Yep, yep. I was in Knoxville this past weekend um, watching the tennis SEC tournament, and 
they're talking about doing more than one project at one time. There's construction everywhere in, at Tennessee, and most of it is athletic construction. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. They just renovated their tennis facility. That's why they got uh, the SEC tournament this year. So it, it can be done, and it happens everywhere. Uh, here's another spinning thing. That, that's, I know some people are very – it drives people crazy. The speakers in Sanford Stadium, right? Can you ever hear what's going on? Can you ever make out what's going on? It sounds like they've been blown out. And it's not because the company that does it. One of my buddies works for the company here in Athens that has the contract with UGA and does all their their audio stuff. I'm telling you guys, it's because our athletic department will not spend the money necessary to get the top-line stereo equipment. I know that's a small deal, but it definitely adds to the environment in the crowd. It definitely plays a part in why we don't have a great home field advantage. And you know that recruits pick up on that stuff, guys. They absolutely do. Trust me. I work with teenagers every day of my life. They pay attention to that stuff. And we're talking about spending just a little bit more money. Just I don't, it, it baffles me. It, it, it drives me crazy. Now, I mean, you got to say we we just build, build the indoor practice facility. We are starting the West End, end Zone project, and chances are we'll raise a lot of money for that too. The athletic department will have to pay minimal amount there because our donors are willing to pay. You know, remember John Stinchcomb came out a couple uh, weeks ago, a month or so ago, and was talking about hey, our donors are willing to pay, but we just want to know that it's not just going to sit in a reserve fund. They want to know what it's being spent for. They want to know if they donate that money's actually going to help out the program. It's going to build facilities. And I don't know, and it seems like they don't necessarily believe that. Now, with the indoor practice fields, they knew it was going to get built, and they stepped up and donated every freaking cent. Yeah, just like now that the end zone is approved, everything, people are willing to donate it more. Absolutely, and they're going to. They're going to, and it's and that's long overdue. And again, he had to wait until Kirby Spar comes in here and says, hey, dude, do you have any idea how behind our facilities are, how behind your program they is? They pretty much gave Kirby full power and demanding things. Well, yeah, and look, and yeah, well, it seems that support. he has, support yeah. Him. Well, I think Kirby has the support of some big money donors, um, and I think that was one of the, his, I, look, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine, and I've talked to some people that, have, have have indicated as much that that was one of the content that was kind of content him taking the job was kind of contingent upon that like we have to change things we have to change the well, way and we that do also things. shows how that how little support McGarity has too yeah well that's true and, and look and they're, they're look and there's speculation I, I I don't he's the athletic director but there's been some speculation out there among people who would know uh, as to how much influence Greg McGarity actually had in hiring Kirby Smart was that really Greg McGarity's hire or was that decision made for him made above his head. I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's it's worth looking at. I don't know. I don't know there. I, I guess, and also, you got to say he hired Kirby Smart technically when we're talking about guys he's hired, and that's still to ready. We still have to play that out. Although I'm I'm pretty com- I'm very confident actually that Kirby's going to be here for a long time and do a hell of a job with our football program. I think that's going to work out. But again, how much influence did he actually have in hiring Kirby? Was yeah, that a lot of that said to have been Morehead. Morehead and, and, and big money pretty folks much forced him. Yeah, big money folks. So, okay, so, I mean, we've talked about this before. This is nothing new on this show, and, and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have heard this before, too. But So, I think facilities and spending, uh, I think that's part of what's holding us back. But what else is it out there that's truly holding our athletic program back, our entire athletic program, to where we are in this kind of state of malaise, as it was stated in the AJC a couple weeks ago? A lack of commitment to excellence, as simple as that. I yes. mean, like we said Amen. before, you have Kentucky spending over $150 just on football. $150 I mean, million in two years, yep. Just on football, and that's the thing. It's just a lack of commitment from the. You don't see the support from the administration, like with Mark Rick. The biggest thing hurting him, he had no support from the administration. That, and that's one thing. Okay, that is. Look, I'm going to go back and say thank you for bringing that up because look, when before Rick got fired, I was I was a I was a long time defender of Mark Rick because 
just what you said. I don't think he was given the resources necessary to compete against the teams he was expected to compete against, against the Alabamas, against the LSUs. He wasn't given those resources. He was not given an indoor practice facility. It took way too long for us to open up the checkbook and begin hiring support staff to the degree that Alabama and Auburn and Tennessee and LSU had done. And he was expected to compete against those teams consistently. Now, was it time for him to move on at the end? Yes. I can I, I look at that and say yes. It, 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 his message had gotten stale. It's just everyone needed to change a scenery. We needed something new. We needed a new infusion of blood and energy in this program. He needed to go elsewhere. Hey, look, he's tearing up Miami right now recruiting. He's gotten that kind of re- revitalization, that fresh infusion of energy in himself too. So it's worked out for both parties. It was time. It was time. I, I get that now. And, I, and I, I understood at the time too. But for a while leading up to those to the, his fire in 2015 – I was always against getting rid of him because I said, let's see what the guy can do when you give him the resources he needs to compete on a level playing field. He was never given that opportunity at George. I think you have, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Especially towards the end. Yeah. He just wasn't. And, and by the time he got some of the support stuff, it was too little too late. The narrative had already been written and his grave had been dug already. He was just waiting for him to fall into it. Uh, And eventually he did. And now when Kirby's on the scene, lo and behold, we have crazy, support staff numbers uh we had an entirely new strength staff i mean forever we and maybe it was rick you know trying to keep joe tereshinsky in there and keep him a part of the program maybe that was it but our strength staff was behind the eight ball um obviously the facilities were behind the eight ball even like the butts mirror facility when it was built it was pretty nice dude i'm telling you guys i go around the sec to all these games all these canvases and butts mirror is nothing to write home about man especially when you got a school like clemson but what they just built over there I mean, it's it's absurd. Like it's it's okay. It's nice. It's it's solid, but it's not state of the art. It's not cutting edge. It's not proactive. I mean, seriously, what what are we ever cutting edge in? You know, like where do we ever set the standard? Have have we done that in the past twenty years on anything? Not really. No. And we're we're always playing catch up. When other, somebody else does something and gets an advantage, we gotta play catch up. We're never the one getting the advantage, setting the standard, being cutting edge, being proactive. And to me, that's what's keeping us behind. We're always playing catch-up. You can never be the best if you're always playing catch-up. At some point, we've got to start setting the standard. And I think Kirby's starting that process, and some of the, the big money donors are kind of starting to demand that more more, more. Yeah, because they got a taste of it, too. Right. And and you got somebody who's coming from the most successful program of the past 50 years or whatever and at, at Alabama, and he's telling you, hey, guys, here's how you are successful. I've seen it up close and personal. And people are listening, and it's finally starting to change things. For me, here's what I would say. Tell me if you agree. I think one word sums up our problem. Culture. The Georgia culture. The Georgia culture. The Georgia way, you know. It's that culture. And it hurts me to say that, guys, because I'm going to be real with you guys. I the University of Georgia means everything to me. Like It's it's essentially my life. I It's it's what I live and breathe for. It, it is who I am. It's a part of me. And it's it's what I'm loyal to. It's what I love. It's what I care about. It's It means the world to me. So to say that our culture is a problem, that's very painful for me to say and admit. But can you disagree with that? I mean – it also goes along with football. I mean, some of the, like you said, you know, we we I, I know they're big donors and stuff, but you pay play towards them at games, stuff with the music, everything it goes toward gears is gears toward them, just because that's what they want, and that culture doesn't fit along with the changing aspects of college football and other sports nowadays. Yeah, and look, it's like it's from the top to the bottom. It infiltrates every aspect of our program every level of our program is infiltrated by this culture it's 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 look it's our program at large i don't 
I hate speaking absolutes. This is not everybody. It's never everybody. There's always those rabid diehards who want more, who, who are hungry, who are thirsty. But those aren't necessarily all the decision makers. And there's too few of them to really be heard, to be loud enough to actually be heard. Or at least that's been the case. I think it's starting to change a little bit now. But to me, our culture is is a culture that's content with being good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're content with being good. Content with being just good enough that no one is going to set your house on fire, that the donors are happy and the money's rolling in and your name remains respectable. As opposed to the culture where you're hungry and you have that drive, uh, that thirst to be the best at all times, where you demand the best and, and you take action if you aren't getting the best. That thirst for excellence just is not... It just doesn't really seem to exist in our culture. It hasn't in the past 10 or so years like it does elsewhere. And at the places that have truly attained that sustained excellence, we don't have that culture right now at large, as a program at large, as, as a university, as a people at, at large. We don't. To, and, and tell me if you agree with this. I've always looked at it like this. Maybe I'm crazy. I kind of look at our program at large. Again, not everybody. Not everybody. But at large. Our program is kind of like the, the country club elites, you know? That's always been sent me at a country club atmosphere. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's been yeah, absolutely. Compared to some of the raucous stadiums environments we play in, but I kind of see this as the country club elites who who very much want to win and are used to winning uh, at a very respectable clip. Uh, the country club folks who kind of turn their nose up at the redneck cousins, kind of look down their nose at the, at the redneck cousins who have to deign to cut corners and do unsavory things like spend money and and fire people for unsatisfactory performances. But you know what? Those redneck cousins of ours, they're the ones doing the real winning right now. They're the ones trying to do the real winning while we are killing ourselves with our own pride. Like with our, with our drug policy, you know, drug testing policy. And Kirby's starting to change it. He's having a little bit of influence there. But this has been a, a story for a long time. This is nothing new. But we look down our nose at everyone else with, with this moral superiority. Look at us. We're setting the standard of how we're going to punish our teams and how we're going to self-destruct. While you guys are letting kids slide. Oh, you, you're, you're pathetic over there. You know what? They're laughing all the way to the bank, man. They're laughing all the way to championships. While we're sitting here killing ourselves, suspending kids automatically for one pot offense for less than an ounce or whatever it might be. And it hasn't come down with Holyfield, but that's been our history for years. And when coaches are asked about this, when Rick was always asked about it, when McGarry's asked about it, I was like, we're not going to come back to the pack. We're going to set the standard. And maybe that is one thing where we have been cutting edge. We've been cutting edge and killing and cutting off our own noses. What's that? It's not cutting edge when it hurts your, costs your team a lot. Yeah, I, but it, it's just kind of ironic. Like the one area where we are progressive is is in cutting off our own nose and how we handle these things. And look, guys, like domestic violence, I have no no patience for that. That that's automatic off the team for me. But when it's like it's alcohol possession, when it's weed possession, I mean, Jesus Christ, guys, are are we really okay with being the only program that does this to ourselves? Really, is this where we want to put our foot down and set the standard? I mean, sure it seems like it. But that's that's our culture where we want we want to sit here and have the holier than thou. We're better than you because we do things the right way. Well, the right way isn't winning, and I'm not saying I'm not sitting here condoning. Let's go around and cheat, and not at all. But there are things you can do short of cheating that can help you win that we just won't deign to do. We're we're above that. We won't hire support staff. We won't get. In, we won't engage in this this filthy arms race that everyone else is engaging in. We are, we're Georgia. We don't have to do that. You know what, guys? Hell yeah, we have to, and we're starting to. So I, I want to say that. Like, I I don't want to sit here and say it's it's not happening at all, but it's still not enough. Okay, it's not enough. We we need to do more, and it's been it's almost has gotten to the point. Do you think it's too late? Have we have we been too late to this party? Can we catch up? 
Um, not without making some changes that are going to be fully committed to it. What do you, what does that mean for you? Commitment when you talk about that? And that's because that's getting, one of our problems. Uh, getting a program or an administration that will make build two different things at once. Jake, fix the indoor uh, indoor facility for tennis while also fixing the football, the new uh, recruiting suite. We, it's possible to do that, but we don't have a, them committed to doing it. We need soldiers committed to across-the-board improvements. Yeah, and when coaches aren't meeting expectations on the field, you get on. You get you move on. You get rid of them. You, know? you don't mean, give them another year just to get yourself farther behind. Like baseball will if we right. keep them. You set those expectations, and I think that that's part, that's a part of the culture too. Like We're committed to winning enough. But we're not committed to winning at the highest level from the top down. And that's the difference between us and, like, and let's just use one example, Alabama. Why is Alabama so good at football? Because they're committed from the top down. That's their I mean, culture. Even look at basketball. Avery Johnson, I don't think he's the best coach in the league. But they but went out and hired a big name. He's an improvement over Mark Fox. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they're committed. And they're willing to do what it takes to win. When Nick Saban wants something, he asks for it. Do you think Nick Saban's ever been turned down for anything in Alabama? No. Probably not. I think when Nick Saban asks, it happens. When our coaches ask, you know, I know for a fact when Mark Rickard asked for things, it was often a no or just is a slow, sloggy kind of malaise. We had to pull ourselves through all the red tape, the bureaucracy of it. And eventually it was not a big uh, no. Rick wanted an indoor practice facility for a long time. Nope, couldn't have it. When he was essentially given a choice when but the the Buttsmere facility was built, when we renovated it, either you get the Buttsmere facility fit, renovated or you get indoor practice facility. He chose Buttsmere because that's something you use on a daily basis. Why couldn't we have done both of those at the same time instead of selling for that little ridiculous well, just like, just room like that we, we had? Built this indoor facility, the indoor the new weight room should have been built with it. Well, the weight room was built when we renovated Buttsmere, but it was no, it was half assed. Yeah, with the indoor facility, we should. Oh have been yeah, we, yeah, with the indoor. Yeah, why not? If 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 we paid every cent of it with donor money, why couldn't we have renovated the weight room along with it and attached it to it? Because our weight room's a joke. It's a freaking joke, and I know we've talked about that before, but it is. It's there are high school weight rooms that are better than our weight room, and we're the University of Georgia. We're not Georgia State guys. This is University of Georgia. It's not acceptable. We're not going to be able to compete with the teams that our coaches are expected to compete with if these things don't change. And like I said, we're starting to, but. It's just, it's not enough. We've got to keep this going. Got to keep it going. It's not, but my concern is that culture, we're just, we're not, we don't have that vertical integration. You know what I'm talking about? A commitment where we're all aligned from the top down. Everyone's aligned. We're all on the same page of commitment, willing to do what it takes to win. Because, and the evidence is out there, guys. All the things that we've mentioned, it's just, it's out there. It's out there. Ah, it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating. It really is. And I, do you have any hope of it of it changing? Honestly, with Greg McGarity, um, I think as the more the heat, the you know, as the pressure mounts and the results aren't there, yeah. Okay, one more thing here I want to bring. So I'm go back to a question I had a few minutes ago. How much responsibility does Greg McGarity bear for the state of our overall athletic program? I think clearly, and we spent a long time today talking about how he does bear a lot of responsibility, but I also think it's bigger than him. And you mentioned this a little bit with President Moorhead, right? Because technically he works for President Moorhead. President Moorhead can and the athletic board can remove him. And as you mentioned, for a long time after that, it was clear Michael Adams was not a fan or not a friend of athletics. Um, wouldn't approve some of the spending and you know hiring yes men like Damon Evans and really kind of like Greg McGarity as well, it seems like, to a de- at least a degree. And you hear when President Moorhead comes in, 
he's a guy that's more of a friend to athletics and is willing to do some things to help out the programs and will just be more amenable to some of the things that we have to do. And I had high hopes, and I still do. But I think right now he bears some responsibility too. If you're going to blame Greg McGarity for all these things, he's an athletic director. He kind of he's he does what the what people tell him to do. He does what the president tells him to do. He's as aggressive as the president wants him to be. He's as aggressive as the athletic board wants him to be. You know, I mean, he doesn't approve these things on his own. It's the athletic board that technically approves the spending. Uh, the president has a big say in all that. So it's not just Greg McGarity. I, and I don't, I don't want to make it out to be just him. It's bigger than him. It is an administration-wide problem. And I hope that we're on the path to change. I hope Moorhead will start to make some more changes and, and, and do things that we need to do to win. I hope. I still have hope. Having guys like John Stinchcomb on the athletic board now, that gives me hope. He just spoke out recently. And you know, and you know he spoke out to put pressure on people. Some of those people have been on there for a long time and just happy to be there just counting money. But I don't think there's enough of them yet. And I think that's a huge problem because they're not holding guys like Greg McGarity accountable. They're not holding him accountable for the state of our athletic program right now as it sits in the state of malaise, again, going back to the the AJC article. So until that changes, the higher-ups, I think they are just as much to blame as McGarity is, and maybe even more so because they're the ones with the real power because they control him. And until they start demanding more, we're going to have an issue. And then you also ask yourself this. Who controls those people? The athletic board and the president? The donors. The donors, man. Money talks. Our donors have to step up and demand more. You talk about, like, you know, what the money approves. The money has sat, has openly approved everything that's been pushed forward. So I don't know how much they're, they haven't pushed enough forward either. Well, what they, what the donors have to, like, and look, and I'm a, technically I'm a donor too. I'm not a big money donor because I don't have big money. But the big money folks out there, our liquor barons, and you guys know what we're talking about, they, they have to stand up and say, look, and this is a hard step to take. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could do it to my program and say, our funds are going to dry up unless things change. You know? Oh, I could easily do it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 if push came to shove, I could do it probably. This is good when that happened. And I hate to say it, but that's what was going to happen with Rick. You know, there was a behind the scenes that they're pretty much saying, we're not going to give you more money unless a change is made. Right, and that's where the pressure has to come from. So really, ultimately, you can trace it all the way back to those guys. They have to want to win more. They have to be more committed to winning. And I, Because their money, guys. Like I, and I, I can't tell anybody what to do with their money, but why do programs like Alabama have so much success? Because their big money folks demand it. Everyone demands it. Everyone in their fan base. If if Nick Saban had an has an eight and four year next year like we had, or seven and five year like we had last year, I mean, holy hell, man! They're gonna rebel. They're gonna revolt. Even the, the mighty Nick Saban will be on the hot seat. Now, he probably will get fired, but there'll be questions regardless of what he's done in the past. Yes, what have you done for me lately? But our our this is, again goes back to culture. Our that isn't our culture as a fan base. As a fan base, we're okay with being pretty good but now things are starting to change now that people are starting to get upset people are asking questions people are voicing their opinions because it's gone on too long people have watched our basketball program get to a certain level but not rise above that level and look fox has done a great job of getting us to that level but is he the guy to take us to that next level no. i think there's some serious questions there i hope so but i i think there's some serious questions there you watch baseball people are willing to give strickland some time is he going to get us to that level i don't know I don't know. These questions are being asked finally, um, and we're, we're starting to demand more. But we have to do that more consistently. We have to demand excellence in every sport year-round, year after year after year. And we just haven't done that. It's up to us, guys, you, me, 
big money donors, the fan base at large, we've got to start speaking out about. It. That's why I, I I haven't I've held back on doing this show for years now because I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to see if he could change things. And I, I hate and I know I really don't like going after people like this. I don't like calling for people's jobs. I wouldn't want somebody calling for my jobs. I don't like calling for other people's jobs. Uh, it, it just feels kind of nasty to me. But I love the University of Georgia, and we should be better. We need to be better. We have to be better. And right now, we're not demanding excellence as a, as, as a University of Georgia fan base. All of us out there, we aren't. We've got to do better, and we've got to hold our leadership, our administration accountable, so that they'll hold our coaches accountable. And that will improve the, the performance on the field. It's, it's an all-around culture thing. It's Yes, Greg McGarrity bears a lot of responsibility for this, but so does our athletic administration. So do, so do, so do I. I haven't been vocal enough on this. That's my fault. I'm a donor. I haven't held back donating money. I haven't canceled season tickets. I haven't cut back my donations because I love the university. And we've all got to do our part to make sure our program is held accountable and that we're doing what it takes to get to that next level. Because we should be, guys. This is an incredible – Like we are, this is a very wealthy state. In terms, and financially, with Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area, we've got professional sports teams. Uh, it's a great, great location. We've got tons of talent, football, basketball, baseball. I mean, just look at the NFL draft. 29 players from the state of Georgia, more than any other state. A state with less than 10 million people. we got everything it takes except for commitment, except for that culture. We're starting to change it, but it's just not quite there yet. Not quite there yet, unfortunately. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get there. I have faith. I have faith that maybe at least our football program will start changing things. And maybe the football program turns it around. Maybe everything else will too. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for us today. I know we kind of got long-winded there, but this is a topic that kind of gets me fired up because, like I said, it's very important to me. But I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. We always appreciate the support you guys give us. Uh, check back with us next week. Obviously, as we mentioned on the outside of the show, uh, we don't really have tons of hardcore nuts and bolts football to talk about, which is, which is what we do. It's what we all that's what our show's about, is giving you the, the hardcore football talk, not the, the fluffy stuff. So we've got some plans for you the next couple weeks leading into the summer to, to still do some of that. We're going to look at the opponents that we're facing, the top opponents, uh, the top uh, basically rank our schedule, look at the top defense we're going to face throughout the year, the top players, the top quarterbacks we're going to be facing, the top offenses we're going to face. A lot of cool stuff that we got coming up for you in the coming months. So uh, check back with us next week. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, guys, go dogs.